Welcome to Highly Educated, the podcast. Uh, my name is Ryan Sherman, your host. I'm here with a very talented individual, uh, local artist, uh, all-around good guy, and, uh, you know, we're lucky he's here. We have uh, Scott Blue Dwarf. Scott uh, Blue Dwarfs. Blue, blue paint. Blue, what's your name? Blue. Blue Dwarfs. You got it right. Blue Doors. Blue Dwarfs. Blue Door, actually. Blue, the Blue Door. I did a painting once called the Blue Door. Scott. The Blue Door. That's going to be my name from now on. That's pretty fucking cool. I'm not going to lie. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for doing this. Thanks. Great to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Scott, we're going to do a little, you know, background check here. Um, he is a local artist, uh, illustrator, designer, uh, many other hats, uh, I'm sure. Um, you know, but, you know, we can only have so many categories. You know, we got a kelp farmer. Kelp farmer coming on the up. side coming up. <laughs> um, see, I know nothing about kelp, so that would be an interesting conversation because I, I'm I'm kelpless. With uh, yeah, how's that? Well, we can that get into good, it. Huh? Kelpless? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's good. Um, what's the story? How how long has it been? And well, you know, let's hear it. Yep, I'm uh, an OG, I guess. Born in Southampton, 1986. I would. Probably make me a lifetime local, although I did leave, you know, for a couple of years and we came all do. back. We all do. It's um, but yeah, born and raised East Hampton. Okay. And art has always been my thing, whether or not I liked it or not. <laughs> but no, I always liked it. So uh, I always knew I was going to be an artist of some kind. And, you know. Um, were you always distracted as a kid? By no. art? Like, were you always drawing things on papers and, and doing things well, like yeah. not paying attention to what should really be? Kind of, you know, that scenario? I think, yeah, I was always drawing. Um, I was always um, thinking. I don't know if I was really painting. Uh, I didn't get into that till later, but, like, drawing has always been my first and foremost thing that I did. And that's just how I see the world. So I think uh, between drawing and um, opening up my whole mind to the, all of the arts, uh, that's kind of my foundation. But I... Uh, was exploring a lot of things for sure. Yeah. Drawing, you know, we were talking about this, uh, you know, pre, pre-recording that uh, I cannot draw to save my life. So it's not a skill I possess. Um, you know, as any skill, you know, people always tell me, oh, you know, you can learn, you can be great. I mean, I believe it, but. Well, it is true. I can't, uh, it is true. It to is a true. degree, you can learn. But I, I don't have the, I don't have the, who has the time, you know, yeah. you know, I, I, we, we do so many things, all of us, you know, and we're all good at different things. And that's the beauty of it, you know. Maybe, maybe one day. I do find comfort in doodling. I'm a big doodler. Well, that's it's mostly stick figures and and figures. Yeah, but. that's your mind working. And if you draw, you're drawing on the other side of your brain. So that's a good way to balance yourself. I like that. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it's uh, there's a whole. You know, you could look at drawing or or making art in so many ways, but that's one of them. You could just be a balanced person in that way, specifically. Right. And it was, and, and so you were, uh, you know, you were a kid always, always drawing and kind of, that was your love of it. And then when did you really start kind of getting into paint? When did you knew, like, you know, you want to go to college for it? When did you know you felt like you really, Hey, I, I want to try to make a career out of this. Um, so just always drawing and painting, you know, uh, more intensely through middle school, high school. Funny enough, I kind of went in a different direction. I was playing music more at that time. Um, Music and actually photography were like kind of my two like more important um, focuses at the time. Hey man, stop stealing my things. <laughs> All your things. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it was a. I mean, it's not a phase. I, I play music. I still do play music, but it's love it more on the back burner now. And I actually thought I was going to go f- to school for photography. Wow. Um, which a lot of people don't know, and I wouldn't think of myself necessarily as that. I've always done photography for my own, you know, sake. But it's it's so soothing. Yeah. Um, but I never directly thought I was going to be working as an illustrator or an artist, like a, like the common idea of what an artist is like a, a painter, like working alone in a studio, like starving. Like that was never kind of, <laughs> it's not really what I was aiming for. I think I was going for, um, practicality. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea. Uh, uh, I mean, I always, it was into comics and like, Magic cards was a huge thing for me. Like Magic. in terms of looking at that yeah. that art and that illustration and saying like, well, those artists are creating their own worlds, but it has this like 
application. So I wanted to do something. Oh, and video games was huge. huge. Yeah. You can see right behind you, I have uh, a GameCube, an original NES, yep. uh, Sega Genesis with about 40 games. That was our childhood. Boy. Right? I have all my whole childhood in this cabinet here, <laughs> folks. Yeah, that's so, great. Video games was the segue. Yeah. There was a lot of, you know, that's all the creative stuff. And I shared that same. It is. You know, and for those who said, you know, video games are a waste of time. Like, oh, I, I, would, that. I think everyone disagrees now because so many people are into gaming. And I and I was, too. But I actually um, I actually enjoyed the, the worlds of the video games more than playing them themselves, which sounds kind of weird. But like, no, like RPG, like, you know, Oblivion games, yeah. and like Elder Scrolls, yeah, you know, totally. uh, you know, all those role play games and mm -hmm. I was a big runescaper. That's <laughs> yep. a dirty little secret I have. I was a runescaper for many years. I was level 99 woodcut oh, ladies. Shit. Pretty impressive. 99 woodcutting. It's only a little bit more impressive than being heavily into magic cards, which I, I was Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay. So yeah. it was like the poor man's magic. Yeah. Well, a little, the, a little bit. It wasn't. I never went that, down that road. Magic? And I also, and I'm glad that I, that, uh, that I was too old for Pokemon. I mean, maybe I, I, oh, you missed the Pokemon I, could, I just missed it, probably. Wow. I could have been into it if I wanted to. That but. was a legendary... No, yeah. you... So, DBZ came out before Pokemon, I think. Were you a DBZ kid? No, no. no. None, of, none of that stuff. I was kind of... See, that was school. my childhood. That yeah. was like my Saturday was like watching that shit till my yeah. brain fried. Yeah, was, I mean, I, I always liked it too, but it was more... Uh, yeah, well, okay. So, the, all those worlds. Those fantasy worlds, RPG. <laughs> Let me go one step deeper and say i was totally dungeons and dragons like oh i was a dungeon master <laughs> wow see that i don't yeah, I, that's a world i don't out. know about but yeah. i've i've you know well, obviously from having OG friends shit. that are into yeah. it you know i i've you know i've heard things and mm -hmm. heard stories and heard the game you know i've never actually played it i've been invited yeah just, well i felt embarrassed I, I don't know how to play so I, I would feel silly it's a commitment and there's no wrong way or right way to play it which makes it you know one of the craziest games ever because it's really it's just it's a platform and it's just like essentially like a, uh, what would you call it? A format for like, you know, just inventing your own world and playing through it. So that's what I liked about it. Is that um, a connection to art? You know, you totally. see something and then working through it, it's yeah, kind absolutely. of the same. Totally. Same yep. draw. Yeah. And uh, so getting back to, to art, I mean, it all kind of connects for me, but um, yeah. So I, uh, I realized that photography wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do um, because I like to draw and people were always really into my drawings. I thought I should probably take this somewhere. So I thought um, illustration would be a good kind of avenue to explore. So that right. is essentially what I was like pursuing. Uh, I did go to art school. I went to Savannah College of Art and Design for two years and then SCAD. SCAD, that's right. And then I transferred to School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. So finished up there and yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great all The degree was in illustration? Yep, it was an illustration. Wow. Um, but it's funny because I really hung out with more graphic design kids and film kids. So right. what I was doing was kind of geared to that in some way. Like I was doing a little bit of um, storyboarding and concept art and that kind of stuff. Right, because you like comic books and yeah. stuff, background, I'm yeah. sure that all connected. Mm -hmm. and, and okay, so then, you know, you got the degree, you came out of, you know, school and you were like, hey world, I'm ready. Here's this debt I have, fun. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what do I do with this? And, uh, you know, uh, is that around the time that you kind of started your gallery? Was that kind of around that space or you, yeah. or you waited a few years? Well, just about. So I, yeah, I graduated, uh, well, from, from SVA 2009. I lived in, in the city for a couple more years, just hating my life just because it was, I mean, this was like the financial crisis. This is a, a 2008, 2009 Things were pretty bleak for everybody, but I was doing like man with van jobs and like nothing even remotely illust like illustration related. Really, I was trying to get myself out there and sending out stuff of my portfolio. And so you got the total. Your generation got the total yeah, shaft. We got pretty fucked. I mean, in a yeah. lot of ways, and you know, there's definitely comparisons to now. But it was yeah, it was pretty bleak then, and I really had no idea what was gonna happen other than I'm just gonna make my art and and go down and see where it takes me. Um, so, and that's actually why I never actually pursued illustration really fully as like, uh, as a career. I was more, I'm going to do my own thing, which is illustrative, like it's drawing, it's based in realism and observation, uh, and also really technical and really rendered. So 
people say, oh, my art is very illustrative. And it is because that's the world I came from. But I decided I was going to go into kind of my own like realm with it. And I was more interested in the gallery world. I was working for a gallery at the time. And which um, gallery was that? Um, well, I worked for a few, but I actually ended up with Eric Firestone just before he actually came to East Hampton. He's now been here for right. 15 years. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So I worked for him for a little bit and uh, I was in the gallery world. And, you know, obviously I've known fine artists who've been working that way, you know, even just growing up. And I, I knew many of them. And I always thought it was a weird, glamorous lifestyle. And I was interested in what i could do with my drawing that could approximate that right and right where could this take me because you know i see these people i you know i see them i you know Mm -hmm. we share similar interests and we share similar Mm -hmm. personality traits why can't i you know do this you know yeah so that's how it kind of segued and then okay and then and then now we we segue to you know i guess better time than any to talk about neoteric it's yeah uh, so and that yeah that's it was kind of a seamless transition in a way because uh, I was working for for Eric Firestone and uh, and previous galleries before that. Um, so I had a lot of gallery experience. I knew how a gallery could operate, and I knew I knew the artists. I knew how to network. And uh, then I thought it would be really cool if I just opened my own space. And that opportunity did come along. I had a friend who had this great building right in right in the middle of Amagansett, um, right next to the square. It was kind of a just, I don't know, happenstance, really good combo of, of things Dream where space it, the space was available and I asked them, hey, can I just take a room and show some of my art and I'm going to curate a little bit and um, total experiment. You know, I in hindsight, I didn't really know what I was doing in terms of uh, running it as a business, right? Because I'm first and foremost an artist, but... That got me into curating, so I was actually putting together artists in a cohesive way and running exhibitions and then doing press releases. And um, It's a full-stop shop. It's, people, yeah, it's a lot of what, work. And, that, and that's what people don't realize about the art world. There's not just the artist. There's If you're a self-sustained right. artist that's like doing their own projects, has their own studio or their own gallery, their mm-hmm. own space, mm-hmm. people don't realize that you're you're doing all of these different things behind oh, yeah. the levers. You know, they, it's, it's crazy to think about. And... It's hard enough to even market yourself, let alone Absolutely. try to sell your own work, let mm-hmm. alone try to manage, you know, expectations and spaces and egos. And, you know, in the art world, it's, it's huge egos a lot of the time and people that are yes. very difficult to work with and very particular. And, and, and a lot of insane people. Yes. I, insane. <laughs> like yeah, I met no. a lot of literally just crazy people that I would never want to deal with again. But talented artists. <laughs> yeah, a lot of talented uh, artists. A, you lot, know, a of lot of the people, crazy ones are good. Yeah, you know, I, think, yeah. I, I think it speaks to something, you, I guess. But <laughs> but serious personalities. And um, and you also learn, you know, the whole business side of it and the commercial aspect, which, of course, I never, I never like dealing with directly because as an artist, I'm just more interested in the making and showing of art. And not the selling and the, the installing and the, you know, working out deals and that kind of a thing. So. Right. And that's why you kind of have to have a team, but then you got to pay a team. Mm-hmm. And then if the art doesn't mm-hmm. sell, you're not going to, you're not making money. Right. And if you're not making money, well, how are you going to pay for everything? And it you catches know? up to you. So. It does. And that, that space though, man, was so vibrant and cool. And I don't mean vibrant in a sense of colors. I mean it in a sense of aura and like personality that the space had. Mm. You know, no matter what the show was or, you know, I I went a few times and that was like, that was new for me. That was like the first time I ever went to something that was like localized and like, Mm -hmm. oh, I know everybody in here and Mm -hmm. this is so fun. I remember you used to have those like silent discos and you had like little, oh man, it was so much fun. And you just walk around and see all the pieces and you had that little backyard bonfire Mm -hmm. going, you know, it was, oh, thank you. Yeah. It was such a, a great experience. And I think the town is so in need of something like that at yeah. this moment. And it just kills me to know that like it's only became harder and harder to try to have something like that now. And it kills me because it's, it's mm-hmm. as locals, you know, we watch these things that, that inspire us and get us going and whatever we watch it kind of slip away and we yeah. can't grab back onto it. Cause you know, cause of a bunch of greed and selfish assholes and, mm-hmm. You know, and, and and stubbornness. I I would say it's not even a, a political thing. It's not mm-hmm. even a, a a, you know, it's it has nothing to. It's just it's a changing atmosphere and demographic. And I think 
you know, to be quite frank, I think that the town has kind of given up on locals, or at least mm-hmm. it, it seemed like it, you know. Yeah. It seems at this moment. Yeah. Not to segue negatively, but that was a great <laughs> space, and I just feel like the well, town needs yeah. um, well, thank you. something like that again. We need that revival. Well, I always tried first and foremost to do whatever I did. It had to be authentic, and it had to, uh, you know, and the real the mission was to show young, local, emerging artists. Those were the three things. Um, they didn't have to be all three of those things, but, you know, there was a lot of mid-career artists, um, but a lot of people, a lot of, like, seriously just kids who had never shown before. And it was their kind of way to um, make an intro to the gallery world and get their work seen. And it's cool because a lot of people did really vibe with that. And I did want to bring in, of course, make this multi-platform and bring in music and poetry and do special events and lectures. And like, to me, I didn't see the meaningful like division between all that stuff because it's culture. So it was like a cultural platform. Right, and everybody's supporting each other. There's no, I mean, obviously there's egos, but when there's people like you that are good people that can curate and know locals and work with others, and it's like you blossomed, not to say that you blossomed people's careers or anything, but you know, you helped create and perpetuate this movement of young local artists that wanted to make a name for themselves, and I think that's important. Um, And I think that we need, I just, we desperately need stuff like that right now, and it's crazy. Unfortunately, it just comes down to to speed Price per square foot and just the price per square r- inch at this point. Yeah, right. And uh, right. So, like, what what is the answer to that? Like, sometimes I think the only way to do it is is cooperatively, where enough people are interested in the same thing and they can get together and pool resources. But it's also really difficult to operate anything like that. So they all there's pros and cons. But uh, yeah, at this point, it's um, it's out of reach. I think for a majority of people, especially anyone <laughs> who's who's local and is not, you know, a millionaire. It's not to say that we can't all be, you know, living in peace. I think everything can happen, but you know, I think the town needs to start, you know, kind of really realizing they're pushing out and boxing out people that have lived here for generations. And I think it's, it's not right. I think you, you see all these families moving to North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, it's all the stuff I need and want. Right. <laughs> you can get a beautiful life and, and, and you can't get that here. You can't spend that kind of money and get that beautiful slice of life. You can't, it's, you got to spend, you know, $800,000 for a knockdown or, or, you know, at this point, yeah. at this stage where yeah. we currently are at this point, the housing market's still inflated. You know, it's been over a year and a, and a half. It's going to the moon. It's going to the moon. And, and just to get back to like what we were talking about in terms of the art scene, like just that space and, and what that inspired, um, keeping that up, because uh, I don't want to lose track of that. What what did that turn into? How did it transform and, and what does it do? What, what's the brand now and, mm-hmm. and what does it kind of in, in, encapsulate? Well, I have continued to curate um, and that's just been like this new kind of passion of mine. I mean, it's just another thing I do as an artist is bringing other groups of artists together and showing uh, in different spaces. So while I don't have that space particularly, I've done a number of pop-ups. Um, so Neoteric as a name still exists. I just use it, you know, for pop-up events. And um, yeah, it's been... It's the brand. I love that. Because that's, that's what it really it, should be. It yeah. is. It's forming. It's, you know, it's ever forming. You can use it, you know, and, and it makes yep. sense for everything. It and, always stays uh, connected yeah. to your, to your, how you curate and, and the yeah. type of artists you bring in. And by the way, it means new thing. So new thing. What's cool yeah. is I could actually just put that label on almost anything and still, Oh, it's a new thing. It's Neoteric. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, Hey, it's good. It's good, <laughs> man. It works. It yeah. works. It's great to, to kind of see that there's still this huge art community out here, you know, whether it's localized or not. I mean, but you still see this big push for art and, and mm-hmm. I think that's existed since what the, the forties, fifties, sixties, I think, you know, where the, where the, you know, the main catalyst years, I would assume. I, I, I don't, you know, I know yeah. slight about art history, but I, w- I would say that that's the golden yeah. era. Well, locally, yeah. I mean, when you had big name artists like Jackson Pollock come out, that's when it became kind of like this world-renowned artist colony. But it, it actually had been since 1870s, you know. That's when, you know, artists started coming here as a destination and became somewhat of a colony, but more seasonally. But now, yeah, I'd say the 40s and 50s is... When it became more, yeah, it was a bigger scene, more renowned, more year-round artists. Um, and now what it, it's, it's undergone so many changes. I mean, the 80s was kind of big, but also like uh, 
different in a lot of ways. And then, you know, all the way to the nineties through the early two thousands, you know, you had artists who were like big name artists who were working, living and working out here. Um, a lot of them would also commute to the city and back and forth, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. The younger artists are probably never going to see those days again. Are they? And I was going to just kind of ask about that. So now, what this has formed into, you're curating new shows. You're go, you know, you're doing events. You're doing these things. Now, what what have you seen transitionally, like the shift um, between what was, you know, let's say 15 years ago and what was, or let's say not even 10 years ago. Let's say 10, you know, 10, 8, 10 years ago to what it is now. How have you seen it shift kind of in terms of artists? Or have you seen, has it been like a positive shift? Have you seen more art? Have you seen more creativeness? Have you seen, or is it more like kind of this weird new medium with all this technology and this digital age? Is it complicated things and how people want to exhibit? I think it's all those things. Uh, It's transformed, I think, yeah, both for the better and for worse. I mean, there's more galleries now for sure. There's more media surrounding it, and there's more outlets for all these artists to work and show their art. So, like, I like to say that there's no one art world anymore. There's multiple art worlds. It's just, like, this constellation right. now, and, like, you can be a huge success in any one of them and be completely unknown to another. It's, like, right. pretty interesting. Right. And uh, so, I mean, all right, so going back to how this kind of place has transitioned, uh, I see two different kind of migration patterns and i think you know just right around the year 2000 2001 after september 11th tons of people moved out here from the city and now again at the and you know this pandemic you have the same thing and it's just kind of these outward uh outward movements of people but also artists and culture and um you think that was a scare shock thing in 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 the early 2000s you think it was more like we have to get out of the city because these kinds of things happen here i know a few artists who who landed then and that's one major reason why wow yeah wow so yeah. you know, i would have never thought that or put that together mm-hmm. wow. yeah it's um yeah and and i think we're just kind of seeing that again now and you know you have radical dramatic shifts yeah. of events mm-hmm. cause people to influx to suburbs totally and a lot of them just didn't go back you know they they realized what the quality of life could be here and there's two different well, it's major the, differences, it's the local right? Secret. That's why. Yeah, right, it's a local secret. I mean, like, why? Why would you live, <laughs> right. live year round? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, New York has its advantages, and it's great. And it's the, you, know, you best were saying city two differences. World, oh, uh, yeah. Where was I going with that? Um, I think the first migration was more about um, safety and wanting to slow down um, their their kind of pace of life and. Um, and now it's because people realize how, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say, uh, everybody, but I'm sure people realize just what a shitty bargain living in a city can be, right? When you have this <laughs> tiny space and paying outrageous amounts of money to live with just crap For tons of people all over the place. And, and then, yeah. And then obviously the, you know, COVID just is, was, must've been a nightmare, confined to a little box and they just realize they could have it so much better. And now they're all working remotely. So is there, is this going to be a one way thing? I don't know. Uh, it probably will. Do you think they'll all move way. back or do you think they'll stay? I think a lot of people are going to stay because like, what is the imperative to go? Well, that's back? the local secret, you yeah. know, like that's why it's so tough for all of us to move. That's why there's so many of us that are, I'm not going to say, you know, trapped here because people want to live oh, here. Man. It's, Let's it's talk a beautiful, about the Hamptons trap, right? Right. It's a beautiful it life. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like the raccoon trap. They put yeah. like this gorgeous gourmet board of cheese under there to get you in there. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. You get the most gorgeous summers on mm-hmm. earth, you know, arguably you get, and the winters aren't that bad. And either. the winters are pretty frigging good. <laughs> and, and it's a small tight knit community. You know, people, there's yeah. a warmth, there's a friendliness to it. You know, people's families are here. Mm-hmm. It's very deep rooted in the culture. And I, and I think that's why people stay. And when you stay away for a little bit, you kind of really grow to appreciate what it was and, yeah. and you come back and that's what I have done. You know, totally. I came back cause I'm like, this is, you know, this is incredible and I missed this. And now I see it in a different light than I did because I've seen other places and, and seen that it's not as tranquil. It's not as calming. And I think that's why artists move here because they get that, they get that feeling. They understand that there's this like inspiring, calming presence mm-hmm. that they can kind of absorb anywhere by walking around or going on a hike or going, you know, through the woods or mm-hmm. doing whatever they want to do, going to the beach for the day. It's inspiring. There's a lot of beautiful nature and, and things around you all the time here. It's, 
But yeah. but the shift, the transition. So you know that new generation of artists. Do you do you see there's a lot of good hope here? Do you see that there's good people coming in, or do you feel like almost it's the opposite, where there's like a, a push out? Uh, well, for sure, there's less and less younger artists. Like there's no way for them to stay here, so it's just kind of a one-way exodus and i don't know if they'll be able to come back unless they're living with their parents or strike it rich somehow right um i've i've been like housing insecure for years now because i got stuck in this weird you know this vicious cycle which a, a lot of people will, will i'm sure be familiar with where uh, the seasonal housing um where you know if if you get stuck in in one or the other like if you uh, year round or seasonal meaning summer and you're paying triple in the summer and then a little bit less in the winter, but it can just totally screw you. And, um, and now that was compounded with the fact that there was just housing unavailability in the last couple of months because all these people came out. So I'm just going to relate that back to the fact that like younger artists just aren't going to be able to exist here. Right. And, yeah. and do you think now, now in terms of that, what do you think would solve that? Is it like, is it like introducing a hostel or something that people can mm. like having a hostel that people can, you know, stay at for a cheaper rate and, and only welcome it to artists and have this be, connection yeah. network. That seems like a good idea, like a connected a network idea. of, you know, maybe a hostel somebody opens up and then it's your connection that people have and they bring in, you know, people they know and kind of house artists like yeah. they did back in the day. I mean, that was a thing. Artists housed other artists. I mean, yep. what uh, Eric Clapton housed Jimi Hendrix, mm -hmm. right? Or, or what's the story? Or, you know, famous mm -hmm. musicians house other musicians and artists house other artists. It's, it's well, a... there are artist residencies, which there are more of now. It's another that's oh, a, really? a okay. good thing that's come out of this. Or My used ignorance. To be, Please explain. because Well, they're not very well known because a lot of them haven't done a great job with really connecting with the community. And then because these a lot of these institutions are very insular where they cater to a certain group of people to please another group of people. And they bring in artists that they think are going to work between the two. That's just kind of how I see it. And that's not all the case for all of them, but there are numbers of artist residencies and the whole mission is to bring artists out. They work, they show their work. And it's about, you know, bringing in new artists and new culture. And that's great. But I wish it was um, what I would do in my idea and vision has been for years now is, to create um, not only artist housing, uh, um, but also workspace, because no same reason people can't live here is they also can't work here. There's no studio space, and you know, no one. It's, it's, I'm podcasting uh, out of my basement. We're right podcasting now, out of a basement here, I'm, but uh, I'm podcasting out of my basement. Yeah, it's a pretty legitimate you know, setup for a basement, but it's still nonetheless plenty of other places in the world, right? Like there's warehouses, like almost every city. You know, you'll see like some amazing artist complex and like there's actually not a convincing reason why i don't see why we can't have something like that here i've been advocating for it for years it's crazy and and yeah. let and and now i guess let's segue into that because you, we're talking about community right and and the change um now obviously if you plan which i assume it is to stay here which it sounds like it kind of seems like it unless you're pushed out, which maybe seems like might be the <laughs> case as well. I don't know where I'm well. going to live next year, to be honest. Yeah. Right. So now if, if it's a dire situation where we all know locals are getting pushed out of the space, especially in this crazy market. I mean, I know people that are looking for homes. You can't afford anything. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and we talk about prices in the city or whatever. I mean, I remember in 2013, I was paying $1,400 a month to live on 110th and Lexington. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't... It, 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 in the city. So the city is like, you know, like you said, people are pissed off about what they pay. And that was back in 2013. I'm sure now it's like $2,500 to, <laughs> to live there, you know? And it's, um, it's just, and that was like a, you know, that was like a more cheaper rent at the time. Cause I, I, you know, I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford midtown. I couldn't afford, you know, in the city, you know, and I didn't want to be all the way in Brooklyn and try to get to classes in Manhattan. So I, you know, I, I was where I chose to live, but you know, people come out here and they, and they, you can't find a goddamn thing for under, you know, let's say you want to find a, a shitty, a room, a room in someone's house is like $1,200, $1,500, 2,500, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> even that much, you're not going to find anything under 2,500, even for a room, right a shitty room with like a little kitchen, uh, maybe a room you could get, I don't know. Those, those are all different, but if you're right, but you don't want a fucking room, you can't yeah. work, you can't live, you can't have a space, you can't create in a room. Like you need a you need a house you need a yeah. little a, a little bungalow or yeah. whatever it is you know, mm -hmm. 
And it's fucking tough. They don't do shit for it. I mean, they have those affordable housing things that with the lottery and all those things, but which has a whole world of problems associated with it. Right. I've heard they had to like redo them and mm-hmm. you know, like there was like issues and now they yeah. got to wait and there's, they got to redo a lot of these fucking mm-hmm. things and they're going to have issues with them. Yeah. Anyway, you know, town of East Hampton for you, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I and I don't want to, you know, crap on everybody that's in town board. I know there's a lot of good people and, and, and people that want to do good, but the, you know, there's a lot of people that don't and they got to get yeah. the hell out of there. Yeah. There's a lot of, yeah. and that, oh. and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is like, did you ever, you know, cause you've been advocating and, and you know, I, uh, I would say, I guess activist is kind of an aggressive title, but you know, well, no, it's, uh, it's, I, it's, yeah, it's sure. fine, you know, that, yeah. right. And, and you're, you're a champion of, of, of good causes. And I think that out here we need, that and and I always thought to my head like you know why don't we just get one of our friends to like run for mayor or run for <laughs> no offense to Larson you know I'll give the guy a shot you know we, we maybe he's great we you know I, I you know he just started See, he's a local guy hopefully he gets it and and does the right thing and and treats us all good I you know I would assume and hope that he does uh, you know well, he retired the new seal that I did for the village <laughs> he he retired it yeah uh oh what do you mean like uh, he, he's it's it was a, a seal that you did, and, and now I, it's gone? I never redesigned the, the seal for uh, the centennial, you know, for the East Hampton Village. It was a new flag, a new whole design. And the first thing he did as mayor was go back to the old one. But I'm not going to hold that against him. It's just a matter of taste. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch, man. All right. Sorry. Jerry hey. Larson's listening. Oh, hey, man. Well, yeah. So to your point, um, we, yeah, wow. we do have a, we have a good town board, and there's a lot of really knowledgeable people on it. And they've tried to do, I think, their best with what they have because they're like, it's really not necessarily them. Like there's past town boards that I think slack. Like how do they not crazy. have money though with this preservation right. fund? Well, the and money this, like, is 300 there. million dollars. Yeah. I, I read there was like $300 million in this thing and they mm-hmm. can't buy great community oh, spaces, but like, okay, what does that accomplish? So some rich guy that just bought in Clearwater gets the lot next to him to be a preserve. Mm-hmm. You're not helping locals. What are you talking about? Like I, you, I agree with you. They have and to. And it drives you know, up prices. And so. it drives up prices. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Why are we buying these lots? I mean, just just let it. Well, a lot of them make sense. Some of them make less sense. No, no. Like keep the stuff that's actually preserved and keep things that are meant yeah. to be preserved. But you're not buying half acre lots in Clearwater and in Springs mm-hmm. and shit and telling me that it's you know like for the preservation of the community. Like mm-hmm. nobody's walking into a tick infested forest to. I thought about sit this there and today. Do nothing. You're, you're right. Like, what like where? Yeah. Sick. Those those twenty acres you just saved are great when no one's going to go through them. There's no trail. There's no. Yeah. Like you're gonna have to build something yeah. to compensate for what the hell you just bought. You know. Mm-hmm. Price of lumber is ridiculous. You can't right. make money on a house like you right. could five years ago. Yeah. You know, lumber's you through think, the roof. You would think that would slow down construction, but nope, not in the Hamptons. Not when you have an unlimited wallet. <laughs> um, so I actually did join. I'm on a number of town committees. So one of them I joined recently because I've been interested in housing uh, is the Community Housing Opportunity Fund, which is just a group of people who look for opportunities to create housing. And it's interesting to learn how all this stuff works and what the process is and, you know, what gets thrown against the wall to see what sticks. It's, it's all interesting to me. Um, and they are exploring some cool things. And there's actually a lot of affordable housing in the pipeline. My fear is that it's just too late. It should have happened like, you know. 10, 15 years That's ago. That's what it is. It's too late. It's and, always, and, they're always and now a is step this state behind. funded or is this going to be like Some locally? of them are, some of them aren't. And like, that's the problem when you get state funding or county funding, you have to have under fair housing law, it has to go into a lottery system. So anyone in the right. state or county can apply for it and it doesn't. And that's not localized. Right. Right. Or X number of spots have to be, which, right, it doesn't right. help So that's, uh, do you, are you familiar with the project on Three Mile Harbor where mm-hmm. they just bought that land? Yeah. Yeah, so they're turning that into like townhouses, or is it going to be like apartments? It's going to be the... town. Uh, well, yeah, it's um, they're apartments, but it's going to look a bit like the the new one on uh, the Gansett Green Meadow that's outside Amagansett. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're still in the planning phase. They haven't right. broken ground yet, but that's my understanding. Yeah. Right. It's going to be like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, and hopefully they build it right this time. You know. No I'm to the builder. But. I I want them to look at 3D printing, which is this awesome technology. And I've now heard houses about are doing this. That. Yeah, they're really building cool. houses with 3D printing. First one in the country was in Riverhead. Really? Yeah, and it's uh, I believe it's still for sale. I'm not sure. It might have sold already, but it's cool. It's like you're printing in, in concrete. It's a nice modern house, and the coolest thing is you'll probably appreciate this. 
you know, it comes in like a hundred dollars less per square foot than any, than like the lowest you could do it for any custom build. It's like 150 a square foot or something. That's incredible. Yeah. I think that's the future of of affordable housing and it kind of has to be right. Like now if there's 3d printers, what happens to the builders? Uh Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, Well, they're just going to have to learn how to use 3d printers. You know, I guess they're just going to have to, I mean, you could always do the interiors in any way you wanted to interiors or exteriors. Once you have those, you know, yeah, yeah, you're talking about underlying structure. Yeah. Kind of crazy to lay concrete with a 3d printer. Right. I couldn't imagine that. That's Mm -hmm. crazy. Um, wow. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I wish there was more affordable housing for people. And I always wanted to open out here. I went to this place. Have you ever been to San Antonio? Uh, I've passed through there. Yeah. So I've been to San Antonio uh, um, a couple times and there's this place that I went there called the candlelight cafe. I believe that's what it's called still. Um, It's this beautiful place that I want to somehow create here. It's a coffee shop slash bar, Mm -hmm. but more of a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And it has like a little space on the inside. Not little. I mean, it's pretty decent sized space. Um, You know, you go inside and there's like nice comfy couches and beanbag chairs and like TVs and Mm -hmm. like one TV for like a little sports thing. And then there's, you know, but nobody really has it on. And then there's all people reading books and playing music. There's a giant patio on the outside. Like it's this whole little collective and it, and they're serving coffee, you know, like they serve (laughs) beer and wine, but they're not. nothing like that in this town. It's crazy. And it's so beautiful. And they, and the beauty is they stay open late, like 4am because they want to promote this like creation of art and like Mm. beauty and stuff after hours. They want to create this magic because that's when they know the best art is created. So if you had this space to bring local artists and, you know, whatever photographers and and painters and draw, you know, artists, it's just, it would be beautiful to have this space. And and we, the fact that we don't have anything like that out Mm -hmm. here and, and it just shows you the reason why we don't have anything like that out here is because A, it's too expensive, and B, it's too expensive for locals to do this. Yeah, yeah. And maybe if, if a rich person was smart enough, they would open something like that, but they're not smart enough because they're not creative, so it they don't It boggles think of my mind all the time. Right. Well, they're also thinking about what's the maximum amount of profit they can squeeze out of that square foot. But, right, because that's what it is. I mean, and I don't blame them. Yeah. You, you pay for real estate um, out here. You pay for real estate. That's why, you know. stupid economics, but I agree, right. like... You don't have a single coffee shop where you can actually sit down and, and hang out. That's not, and I'm not talking about Starbucks, right? Like that's just no, not a, that's for, completely no. another thing, right? right? Like an authentic coffee shop. You just sit down at a table and no one's telling you, you have to get up and go or like, you know, you can meet people and have meetings. I'm always looking for somewhere to have a meeting. I'm like, where do I go? I guess we could hang out Jack's in the back on the picnic table. Like but where's like, this space? Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 Freaking crazy. It is crazy. It's just It's mind-blowing. The, I, I noticed a long time ago the void that this town has mm-hmm. of cool things. Mm-hmm. And me and you as locals could sit here and list, you know, we don't list all our ideas. We don't want <laughs> stealing our shit because, you know, we're going we're gonna to be billionaires <laughs> one day and then give all our money away so we're not billionaires. But, you know, um, I think that there's so many creative things that could be in this town that all of us know. Mm-hmm. Every local knows what the deal is. They know, you know, what should be opened in this town, stuff like that. Creative spaces, um, you know, fun, fun things for people to do on weekends. Like why, you know, I'm I'm happy that clubhouse opened. So there's like something for people Mm -hmm. to do, you know, but it's not everyone's bag of, you know, right. It's not everyone's bag. Not everybody wants to go bowling and and do arcade games and mini golf. They want to do more like artsy things Mm -hmm. and, and have a space to create. And, you know, galleries are great, but you know, galleries sometimes can't, are not comfortable, especially galleries in the Hamptons that are like, you walk in and a piece (laughs) is like $17 million. And it's like, who's going to buy that? You know, I'd rather go into a gallery Mm -hmm. and see a real realistic piece of like, I don't know, something that's $1,000 or $2,000 created by somebody local Mm -hmm. and I can support them and buy this for my home because it's beautiful and I want to support the artist and it's not that expensive. I'm not saying undervalue people's art. You charge whatever you want. No, but totally. You want want to have a mix. Accessible. Right. So I was thinking about this the other day too is we don't get a say about what, you know, what our village downtown business center is comprised of. And it's, there's this fundamental mismatch between people's needs and what they're just offered. Like, we're not asking for another clothing boutique or another, I don't know, makeup store. It's like, we, we don't get to vote, but like, we have these necessities. Like, right. don't you wish that we could just say like, you know, and I've seen this happen in other places. 
Brooklyn among them where people can actually vote on what they want to see in that empty storefront. And there was a company that actually like specializes in that. I think that would That's be really super cool, cool, right? Like you send out a poll, like a nat- like yeah. a localized poll yeah. and you get answers of who right. wants to. Yeah. And part of it's zoning, which that makes sense. And part of it's limited. Uh, everything is limited by septic. It's the that's what you learn. Is oh, it's like, mind blowing. Everything is lifted by is limited by septic capacity. But you can get around that, and you know there's systems now, and and that's that is what's changing in the village. But um, if you were able to have your say about what your own downtown district looked like, and like according to what your needs are, right? Because people don't want to drive oh. fifty or hundred miles to get something that they need. I mean, there's also Amazon, but like, no, let's put nobody, that aside yeah, and say fuck like, fuck Jeff Bezos yeah. and nobody, I don't want, I mean, it's so hard <laughs> not to support Amazon because it makes it so affordable to live, but then you hate supporting them because there's a lot of like dog shit that goes on with them, mm-hmm. you know? So you want it both ways. I don't shit on anybody that uses Amazon because I get it. People have to live for cheap. I'm not going to shit on anybody going to Costco even though that guy at Costco is the man, the CEO wants to pay all of his workers super fair. So shout out to that guy. Um, yeah, yeah. He believes in like all the, you know, he wants all that stuff and all that, uh, you know, good pay stuff. Mm -hmm. He's a big, big believer in that. Uh, I was reading a story that the, uh, some, one of his executives, uh, were going to change the price of the hot dog from a dollar 50 to like whatever it was. And he was like, (laughs) I'll fucking strangle you or something was the quote. (laughs) Like he, he, he knows his value, man. He knows his clientele. He know he knows how to keep people in there. And that's why that, you know, whatever buy in bulk, I guess, but save money. I'm I'm not going (laughs) to shit on anybody, but obviously I want people to live sustainably. Um, shout out to, um, uh, my friend, uh, Colleen, who started a company, all good, goods. all good goods. Super cool. Killing it. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Sustainable. Uh, we need a, we need a zero waste store. Here. That's what it is. We need yep. stuff like that. Um, well, why can whole foods do it in bulk? You know, they have right. that wall where you can go and just mm-hmm. pull out all the stuff. Why don't we have stuff like that here? I mean, well, we, we have, have pe- we have bits and pieces of it. Um, right. You know, some places are starting to do that. I'm just seeing hints of it. I'm just like, just go all the way. It's not, you know, just do it. Like, <laughs> right, right. It's not that hard. Like just buy shit in bulk. It'll probably be cheaper for the business for Christ's sake. Yeah. It won't even, you know, yeah. it, it'll be, more affordable because if you're about mm-hmm. to buy everything in packaging, that's probably what costs the most money. Mm-hmm. I could assume. I don't know. Packaging is annoying. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know the economics of it, but it seems to me like we're at a point where these things are easier to do than ever. And, and the demand is, is the highest than it's ever been because people realize what bullshit all this packaging and plastic is. Right. They're it's, finally realizing that plastic doesn't go away. It just gets smaller and smaller and more dangerous. Ends up in a landfill in Pennsylvania somewhere. Yeah. Or in an island that, well, eventually it ends up in you. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, in the overall, yeah. Yeah. It, it's crazy. And, and like you said, back to your point with the stores on Main Street and stuff, it's it's crazy. It's like, how many fucking boutique things can we open here without, with... with it should be a law. It says, like, like losing X sight. Amount. You know, it's so hard for locals to open their own business on Main Street. Imagine if, you know, locals could have the opportunity to open, you know, a gallery or, yeah. um, you know, a... a a freaking, like I said, like a little coffee shop or their own food place, a little Great restaurant. Yeah. So many locals are, I know so many talented yeah. service industry professionals that could mm-hmm. easily open up their own restaurant and do incredible yeah. stuff, but they can't because the space is too expensive. Yeah. They can't find every, they can't put it together. It's just impossible. We need a, um, an incubator space. Like a WeWork, but like not yeah, corporate. We but need not, like a, right. Yeah. We need, we need like a, a local space mm-hmm. where people can come in like Small a conglomerate. Units. You know, small units that are customizable to a degree. A country club for locals. Yeah, basically. That's what we need. We need a local country club. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's so many things no entry and ideas. Gained. Yeah, and you just realize that the barriers are all still there. It's just money, real estate, and zoning. And but a lot of those things can change. Zoning can definitely change. Well, that's what, no, and so this is the point I was going to make is that coming coming back to it, when you said you know, there's people on the board, this, that are, are, you know, some of them are great and we, and we know this. And then, you know, I wish we had more influence in, in the decisions in all reality, technically, I guess if you broke it down, we do because we get to vote on who gets these Mm -hmm. seats. And the crazy thing is, is obviously not to get political here, but when, when the media is driving 
the presidency or these big election, you know, mm-hmm. Senate and presidents, when they're driving all of these big ticket names and big ticket personalities and characters and polarizing us all back and forth, mm-hmm. you know, you think about that and mm-hmm. you have no thought to localized elections. You don't yeah. think about your town it's a tragedy. Tr- t- councilman or your councilwoman yeah. or your, or your, you know, person that's totally, you know, you don't think about those things because you're, you're so engulfed in the polarization of the politics of, you know, the, the general politics. You're not thinking about localized politics, but in reality, that's what's affecting that's your life on a daily basis 100%. directly. Like that is a direct 100%. Implication, taxation, and, and mm-hmm. rates, and and thing, uh, school appropriation actually, budgets, and you know yeah. all of that. You know, the presidency doesn't really affect most people's lives. No, no. like I, I my life tax isn't rate changes all a couple different. years. Right. That's it. Yeah, you know, you pay a little local, more, pay a little less. Local politics is, you know, well they say all politics is local, so that's definitely true, right? right. Like, uh, and it goes back to like what you want to see in your own immediate life. And that is the best way to affect it. It's crazy that people, like a lot of people we tune out, it. don't know. They don't know. And don't they don't care. Themselves. They're fed up with politics because yeah. they don't, they're, yeah. they've grown up with the bullshit. They've right. seen all the bullshit of yeah. politics. So they don't want to get into it. I would love if, if more people in general, but especially younger people, if they got involved, you know, and some, yeah, and there's some people, but not, uh, it, if there was like a groundswell kind of effort for young people to stand up and what they want and, like when I've been talking about housing, like I, sometimes I feel alone. I'm like, I know I'm not the only one that feels this way, but I talk about it a lot. I mean, like the housing situation cannot exist. Well, Cause like there's this. no real forum. There's no real yeah. space for locals to kind of voice their frustrations. We all just kind of mm-hmm. scramble where we have to, yep. we find places. I mean, you know, that that's what it is. I mean, that's yeah. the, that's the reality of the community. And I really hope something like that changes. It's, it sucks that we have to, you know, kind of scrap for the, the, the loose ends when, when, mm-hmm. you know, we should be getting the first, shot at, at a life, you know, we're the ones that lived here and, and, you know, we got outpriced in our own environment. Mm-hmm. We, we ourselves became, you know, pushed out and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's crazy. It's kind of crazy to think about that. And, and, uh, you know, like you said, I really hope, you know, people start to step up and the, the generation that is my generation now, cause you're more in, um, like my sister's category in her a- age range. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, I'm young. I'm turning 30 next, you know, two, two weeks or next week or whatever. But, um, it, I feel like our generation has to kind of carry the torch if we're going to be the ones to kind of be out here and, oh, and it has continue. To. It has to be our, yeah. our burden to kind of really change things and get involved and, and do the community aspect of it, you know? And I don't think people should shy away from opening their own business. The part of the reason why I started this podcast is to encourage people to hear other stories that, you know, people that have, have created, you know, yeah. great things and have done great things and have, have brought people together and have inspired community. That's the whole point of this. And I think w- the more people hear stories um, and, and things about others, it inspires them, you know? And I think that hopefully people will listen to something like this and get inspired and say, hey, you know, let's, you know, yeah, maybe we should, you know, vote this way and that, or maybe we should get more involved. Maybe we should go to more town board things and maybe we should kind of pay attention because the landscape's changing in front of us every day. We're losing ground. I mean, look at truck beach. Totally. We, my friends this weekend, we had to go to fucking dolphin drive, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the, all the way down by lobster roll because we're not allowed to be at truck beach anymore there. Yeah. And what we heard from Marine patrol was, you know, we can't legally give you a ticket I think, or, you know, we can't write you anything, but the rich people can take photos of your car, of your license plate, and they can sue you for whatever because you're, you know, right. It's it's terrible precedent. And the fact that the town let it happen is kind of disgusting. And I don't, and I don't know the parameters. I could be speaking out of my ass. I don't really know. It could be, it could be they beat, you know, it could be the town was advocating to try to keep it. They were trying to condemn the beach, but it was a, uh, I think it was a state, judge that ruled against them so right and i'm yeah. sure he got greased. No, the town didn't want it to happen but they right. lost that one and i'm sure they got greased you know that that yeah. uh i'm sure that judge was handsomely greased for this fucking probably so it's yeah. just such a shame you know the truck beach thing that's such a monumental thing every sunday people look forward to that it's like the godly thing to do yeah every sunday it's church it's church for locals <laughs> is, is napig is truck yeah, beach totally. it's a shame to lose that and big house man when we were we were the children big know. house I love that beach. Oh, man. You know, 
It's a, it's the appreciation. And that's, you know, we need more localized things out here. We need, we need things in community. And I think opening up something like that, like a shared space, a hostel, uh, you know, an artist community as anything on any and all of these things would be so beneficial. And I'm so glad this whole COVID thing is kind of melting over and we have talk house coming back and there's going to be music and, and we'll talk house is back. Excuse me. You know, it's just, it's great to see all these things kind of coming back, but you're totally right. We need more access. We need more, you know, sustainability. We need a lot of things that we don't have. And there's so much empty room. And I'm hoping, you know, hoping guys like us locals, you know, we, we get rich so we can come back here and do the right thing and, and improve yeah. the community for good and not mm -hmm. from the mindset of somebody who doesn't really understand it. Yeah. You know? it's, it's the outsider perspective that is really ruining things where it's corrupting money. It's, uh, it's people who do not understand what this place is and what it's about. And they just see it as speculative real estate or this lifestyle that is really kind of mythological and doesn't really exist except for these, you know, bizarre individuals who do attain some kind of weird lifestyle. That's just right. glorious and celebrity based. It's all, it's all it's, Instagram. It's, it's flash. It's all flash. Yeah. It's all, what can I post to my Instagram? Yeah. And, and that's what sucks about the artist community and Instagram too. You know, you have people that are quote unquote content creators. You know, the artist has been labeled content creator. Now it's like, you can't be an artist. You're a content creator. Yeah. It's like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> like you do so many different things. Um, what are these boxes you're getting put in? And I think this whole social media aspect is killing our, you know, it's a whole nother conversation, but it's killing our social life. It's killing the way we interact with others. We're losing that personality and that personable nature of things. Mm -hmm. It's tough. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's tough to watch it kind of all slip away, but then, you know, I, I have hope for these Gen Z. I have hope for these next generation. They seem pretty, pretty fired up. They I seem like they're, they're ready for change. They're they seem like they're progressive, right? Smart. Love it. They're so much smarter than all these other generations give them credit for. Oh my God. They think they're idiots because right? they're just TikToking and doing dumb yeah. shit. But in reality, they're like, they know more things. They're going to game this system and finally overturn well, all, the, about all the horribly corrupt shit that's going on. Well, you, these kids have been growing up with technology. They've had a computer in their hands yeah. since they were like seven years old. So they totally. can, they've known information. Like you can, I mean, my generation, I remember my first phone was the little flip phone with the mirror on the front of it. And it was like when I was 13. Mm. Or 12 or I had something. The brick, the Nokia brick. The brick, yeah, <laughs> that was a classic. The brick. I think it was badass. <laughs> yeah, man. That's that's great. That's, you know, and I, and I, I just, I hope that that generation carries too. And, and it's going to be interesting to see the next group, you know, how, uh, what's the next generation going to do? Are they all going to move away? Are people going to stay? I mean, you know, me and you know families left and right that move every year, you know. Oh, all there time. goes that family. Oh, there goes that family, you know, like. Every year you find another family that you really love that just moved away because they can't afford it. They're getting priced you know, what's really, out. What's really accelerating it is that the real estate, it's the real estate industry. I will say they encourage people to jump into this market because the houses have never sold for more. Right. And so you, if you're you already blame, you thinking know. about leaving, like they're like, just do it. Put your house on the market. You're going to get triple. And then it's like, all right, I'm out. There's more incentive too. And, and, you know, and it's and a lot of locals are real estate agents. So there's a crossover there. You know, mm -hmm. it's like almost it's a it's a tricky situation, yeah. you know, because you have a lot of locals that are real estate agents. But the, usually the local guys that are real estate agents do the right thing. And they yeah. know they know the yeah, right way. I know to operate. many of them for sure. And, right. And, and they're they great always, guys and they know how yeah. to operate. We're talking about the schleaze balls you see on bus yeah. ads and friggin yeah. Instagram at four in the morning. You see cheesy ads with some guy smiling with his dog on the beach and he. Blah, 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 real estate agent guy who's not from here, who's, who's really sly and slick and he's going to sell you this house. Own your own slice of the Hamptons. Yeah, yeah, some cheesy slogan. Man. Yeah, so, so all right, so, so we talked about what you're doing now. So you're curating shows and we're getting all these things going on. Um, yeah. We're still doing Greenport. Are you still illustrating all the cans and the, the designs and things yeah. like that? Yeah. Super cool. I think that's really badass. I yeah. think that's that, that's a great gig. It is a great gig. Wow. Did you ever think you were going to be designing beer cans? No, never. I mean, it, it's funny that it's like came full circle where, again, I didn't like pursue commercial illustration, but it kind of found me through a back door. Which, because Do you find yourself that's your main source of kind of how you create and, and how you produce income is really the illustration side? Yeah, it, it's a mix. Um, I sell a lot of affordable art, obviously, and prints. That's kind of my mainstay. Right. Um, but then, yeah, it's, it's commission. Plug your, plug your websites and such now, please for the, for the, for the people. <laughs> Scott Bluedorn.com and, and actually Theo Blue is my the Instagram and 
Yeah, but uh, at Theo Blue guys for his yeah. Instagram, and uh, you can purchase his art. I'm assuming on this website. You can, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and I do a lot of things. But yeah, so yeah, what's coming up is I'm curating a couple things. Um, I actually have a show up right now. It's it's right now. It's early June, but it's through the end of of June. It's actually at Catherine Markell Gallery in Bridgehampton. Okay. Um, me and another artist who does insane work. His name's uh, Alexander Perez. So I would check that out if uh, badass get love the it chance and. Um, I'm going to be curating a show at, at Longhouse. It's an outdoor scavenger. Love, hunt. Actually, it's really how cool. cool is that place? That place inspired me as a child. Not to knock you off your promo here, but <laughs> my, it's amazing. I, I will say, Irene Tully. Shout out mm-hmm. to her. She was my fifth grade teacher, mm-hmm. and she legend taught me more about art and music and culture and life than than almost any person in my yeah, life. She's great. Um, and she took us to Longhouse, and I will never forget that. I mm-hmm. was taking photos. I still have all the photos. Actually, it's in a book somewhere close to here. But mm-hmm. um, incredible experience. That place is just mind opening as a kid. You just it's it's like a it's imaginary land. Mm-hmm. You know. Sorry. So you have the uh, showing at Long. You have the exhibit at Longhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually an art scavenger hunt, which is gonna be really cool. Um, yeah. Uh, How do they get information on that? Do they go to do they go Longhouse? Um, it, it will or... be on Longhouse's website. Yeah. Okay. Nothing released yet, but that'll be towards the end of August. So. Oh, end of August. Okay, yeah. great. So people have the summer to plan for this. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. yeah. I, that's super cool. And yeah. I saw recently you had that installation. It was with like a, a buoys. You did you yeah. like sculptures with buoys. Yeah. Um, super cool. That's at a place that's, it, it's actually a little, it's kind of similar to Longhouse in some ways. It's, it's a sculpture garden, you know, garden called the Libra collection and, if you're into handbags, if you know Judith Lieber, that's it's like a museum of her crazy blinged out, amazing handbags. You have to go see this. It's a museum. Handbags, ladies, we're listening here. Handbags, incredible. I mean, guys will love this shit. Hamptons too. and it's handbags, insane. Ball and jewelry. And then outside is like this amazing garden, and and there's a lot of sculpture. And I'm part of a, a group show there. So yeah, that's great. That's uh, it's. Uh, do you find it hard to juggle all these different things at once? Do you find it difficult, or how do you cope with? How do you? No, I wouldn't say cope, but how do you deal with all of these different things? Like, how do you manage stress? I let you... them feed off of each other. One thing kind of inspires the next, or you know, that's the only way I can do it. Otherwise, I, I do get overwhelmed sometimes. It's a lot of scheduling. Do you get stale? Do you get like writer's block or like yeah, creative block? Sometimes. And yeah. How do you usually fight through? What's your What's your writer's block kind of cure? How do you mm. How do you handle it? I read times. a lot. Read. What, what do we? What do you like to like? Fiction, nonfiction. Mostly you, nonfiction. Uh, or I stories, I, or like people's lives, yeah. or how, how do you like to read? I, I just read about different subjects, just weird things that I'm just like right historical now, or more uh, any any like a lot of different things. Mm. Yeah, a lot of history, a lot of science, a lot of. Um, and that gets you kind of out of that creative, or, or it gets you out of that creative funk, and you get to be able yeah. to create. So, or or even just visually, like. I like to just go to the library and just look around at books and like whatever grabs my attention. Sometimes it'll just come out of that. It's almost like it's like a, a garden where I can just like pick and choose from one thing and another. And I like make combinations, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and I do it online too. If like sometimes I'll just do random image searches or like if I'm looking on, I actually really like the, the, the search feature on, on Instagram. We'll just show you tons of just, you know, that random generated imagery, but it's also algorithmically like, <laughs> they know what designed you want to, to know see. what you're liking right and yeah and it's really cool that way and you, it's cool because you can see different images that don't necessarily go together but they can cross-pollinate each other right you see inspiration yeah. in them mm-hmm. that's yeah yeah that's you you kind of suck it in from everything you, yeah. you absorb it from everywhere that, that's yeah. that's the only or way i'll just go it. on a walk like honestly i do so much just beach combing on the beach or just walking in the woods or you know, any number of those things. And there's infinite inspiration in nature, nature. So yeah. That's and do you still do photography? You still love bringing the camera out oh, yeah, there and, and definitely taking I, some shots and I work a lot from reference photos. So yeah, definitely. So you'll take photos and then reference the art later. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the perfect way to perfect way to do it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, uh, and so you have some events we, we talked about what else, uh, what else down the pipeline? Is there any big projects, big things you're planning? I'm uh, yeah, are... I'm actually I'm an artist in residence this summer throughout the whole summer for Guild Hall and um, beautiful. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's called the Community Artist in Residence, and the idea is um, it's actually it's based on this historical group called the Tile Club, 
And there were a bunch of artists that came out in the 1870s uh, to do all plein air painting. It's all painting outside, just landscapes or whatever like they were interested in. Um, so my idea was actually to take that, and they were all painting on tiles, right? Because I was just like this fat at the time. They were painting on ceramic tiles. Right. So that's what we're going to be doing is I'm going to be leading kind of outdoor painting workshops. And uh, you're not necessarily painting landscape. Super it's really cool. painting whatever you want. And we're going to put it all together in one large, giant mosaic Hopefully, that's and, amazing. Uh, yeah, it'll be really fun. And it's a, and it's a it's a bunch of artists that have been curated to kind of do this. No, it's open to the whole community. Oh, that's, it's open to the public. Yeah, oh. so that's what's going to be cool. Is anyone who wants to come wow. to these uh, sessions will. And it's the tile club. Yeah, we'll sit down, we'll paint. You know, and you're not limited by anything. Like I'll give you a couple of like you know cues or whatever you want to go off of, like general themes. And then we'll put it all together. So that's super yeah, cool. It'll be fun. That's great. See, this is the kind of things the community needs to hear about, and that's mm -hmm. why I'm glad I'm, you know, this podcast came about because I can inform community about these things. Mm -hmm. This is what it's all about, man. We gotta, you know, we gotta, uh, you know, definitely keep this up. This is the this is the movement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's up to us, I guess. You know, I uh, I always kind of walk back and forth of you know. If I stay here, what's for me? And, mm -hmm. I, and I feel like things like this are kind of what keep me in yeah. the mindset of, you know, hey, there's hope. There's little, there's little glimmers of hope everywhere that kind of keep you coming back and, and keep you wanting to feel inspired and create more here. Because like you said, it's endless, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, definitely. As an artist, I can't really think of a bet. I think it's one of the best places in the world. And I can say that, you know, looking at New York or L.A. or Miami in or even globally, like it's one of the best places in the world because of our institutions and the artists that are here um, and the attention, right? The collectors are here, but it's also like a lot of people really get and enjoy art here, you know, and they're not just like amateur, just not like passingly interested. And there's like serious scholars here. There's like amazing resources that do not exist anywhere else. And a lot of people don't know about these things. No, they don't. I mean, especially the artists that don't aren't in the scene. Cause there's yeah. a lot of guys that are just talented that are mm -hmm. not in the Hamptons art scene. And it's very hard to get into. It's very yeah. hard to break that mold. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, as a person that literally did it, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's hard to kind of get into that scene and really feel welcomed and, and appreciated to where you can now, now finally curate, you mm -hmm. know, and create and, and feel comfortable in, in your, in your environment, you know, mm -hmm. And that's, it's tough. And I think, you know, things like that are great. I think that's only going to open up the doors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, that's, that's great. Friggin', I, I, you know, I think we're going to wrap it up at this stage, but great to have you on here. It's freaking yeah, it's badass. Awesome. And you know, we're going to have to do this again. It's definitely going to be a, you know, it's definitely going to be something we're going to have to do again in the future. Definitely. Um, well, I wish you luck on this podcast. I think it's sounds great. Hope I didn't bore you guys. <laughs> no, man, you were great. You were great. Everything was awesome. Yeah, people are gonna love this. People you're, are gonna, you're people a great are gonna love host. It. I love this. Is I, I dig it. Thanks, man. Hey, hey, we're gonna have to get you back in. It's gonna be a thing, man. It's definitely gonna All be right. there. Peace Scott Bluedorn, everybody. <laughs>